Hey guys, this is Jeff Stanick with Figured Out Baseball. Got a great Figured Out Baseball podcast for you today. We're being joined in the program by Mike Armstrong. Mike's currently the head coach at Alfred State, a Division Three school in Western New York. Give you a quick background on Coach Armstrong before we get into questions with him. Let you know where he's been and some of the things that he's done. He is from Penfield, New York originally. Uh, played collegiately first at Clarkson University, a Division three school in uh, in New York. Then also St. John Fisher College, another another Division three New York. Finished his playing career the last two years. He was at Ithaca, a very well known Division three program, also in New York State. That's also where he began his college coaching career. He was an assistant coach at Ithaca College in 2011 and 12. In his two years there, the team went 47 and 24 overall. The 2012 team advanced to the NCAA tournament. In 2013 through 16, he was the head assistant coach at Amherst College, a Division III school in Amherst, Massachusetts. While he was there, he was the hitting coach in charge of the offensive philosophy for the team. In the three years he was there, listen to this, the team won a combined 105 and 48. Very, very good teams they had there. They went to the NCAA tournament three times. Also, just a, a cool thing of note, in 2013 and 14, Coach Armstrong served as an envoy coach at the Swedish National Baseball Academy, which is certainly something that I want to ask him about in this podcast. He was hired then in January of 2017, very, very late in 2017. Obviously, right before the season starts, he was hired as the head coach at Alfred State. The 2019 team finished 11-7 and in conference. They qualified for the conference tournament for the first time since uh, moving to this conference. They uh, The 11 conference wins and 20 overall wins were program records since transitioning to four-year NCAA. Uh, as a school before that, they were a junior college program. 2014 was the first spring that Alfred State uh, competed at the four-year level athletically. He's also spent several summers coaching uh, summer collegiate baseball. Uh, a really great guy, someone I've had uh, a real pleasure talking to in the past and other conversations and I'm excited to have him on the podcast so coach coach Armstrong I appreciate you being here with us thank you so much Jeff I'm honored to be on here chatting with you today about baseball and anything else we uh our path may cross so thanks again Absolutely. So I'd like to start with something from the bio that stands out for one reason or another that I think is worth talking about. And for you, there are there are several places. The Swedish National Baseball Team or National Baseball Academy is somewhere I certainly would like to go. But I first would like to ask you just about your own collegiate playing career. I think this happens with a lot of college athletes, and, and maybe your situation can help shed some light on some things for some other people. But you were at three schools in four years, um, which is, again, not unusual. It, it, the little bit of an unusual part is that they were all the same level. A lot of times guys will change levels or go from a four-year to a junior college back to a four-year or something like that. I'm just kind of curious if there's anything there that uh, that you might want to touch on just as to you know why you moved from one place to another or maybe something that if you could go back you would do a little bit differently or do a little bit better. And again, hoping to just maybe shed some light on someone who, who might be in a particular situation now or you know might be on the, the precipice of, uh, of beginning to look at some colleges. So maybe there's a little bit of, uh, of knowledge that we can pass on to somebody. Of course, yeah. And uh, as you mentioned, it certainly can look unusual from the from the thousand foot view so i'm happy to unpack that a bit and um i've spent a lot of time reflecting on that in in my own life and what i can say is at that time as many of us uh experience and many of you players out there may experience as you're 
coming in sophomore, junior, senior year of high school, I really had no idea what I wanted to be, what I wanted to do, except play baseball. And that was the only thing I knew I wanted to be doing. Uh, With who I am now, I can understand that I didn't have an understanding of who I was either when I was in high school, especially compared to now, which I would imagine is uh, similar for most people. So I would explain most of my travels through that, uh, through my four years of college, me searching for what I needed. And I was very fortunate enough to have the awareness back then to listen to what I needed and what I wanted. And all three programs were great places for any player to be at. All the coaches cared about the players. We worked hard. Um, all were successful programs. Clarkson has had many winning seasons. They've won the Liberty League before. They've been to regionals. St. John Fisher wins tons of games every year. It just wasn't the right culture or fit for me. And I think that that is a very underrated piece that most players consider as they're entering college. They, it's very easy to look at a school on the website, take a visit or two, see the surface things. How many games they won last year? Is my position open? What's the competition there? Does the coach like me? Will I play? Right? What's the gear like? What's the dining hall like? What's the, what's all of the things going to bring me and what I could give to the players now that I like to tell my recruits when they sit in my office is consider service versus status. What are you choosing and why? Is it to bring, is it to serve you and to put you in a position to serve others? Or is it for status? For yourself? For others? Maybe you want to be able to tell your friends you played D1 ball or you got a scholarship for 500 bucks so you can say you got a scholarship. So for me, I chose the Division Three route because I wanted to play. And I journeyed around many different schools because I wasn't finding what I thought I needed in the moment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I think it's a great a, a great talk there to have with people and, and something really to consider, especially the service versus status part. And just trying to figure out who you are as a as a person. This is um, something I think about a lot with college recruiting, how it is now. Particularly you brought up the division one level. At the division one level you've got guys that are committing, you know, some see so have guys that are committing before they play a varsity high school game. Uh, you know, yeah. committing to schools, and and I just don't, I, I don't know how, how anybody at that age has any idea who and what they want to be when they are twenty years old, twenty two years old, which is that's when they're going to really be somewhere, like making something of themselves or preparing to make something of themselves. So how how schools can do that, and I know I, I know why they do it. I, I get it because if you don't recruit kids at that age, by the time 
you see those players, they're gone. I can remember that this like sort of as a phenomenon uh, in one of my first recruiting jobs was that like I'm seeing all these players. I'm going out to watch, you know, at the time my first recruiting job was at a junior college, and I'm going out to watch, uh, you know, basically guys that are in their senior year um, of playing, and or at the very earliest their junior year, and I'm seeing all these guys that are already committed, and it's like dawning on me that like they're, these guys are committing before I even see them play, like especially if you go see a summer, you know, summer league uh, travel tournament, and you go see like an 18U team, um, you're going to see mostly guys that are. You know, they're summer after, or or you know, that have already played their senior year. Um, go see a seventeen U team guys that have already played their junior year a lot of times, and it's and it's like these guys are mostly already committed. So you have to, you just as a fundamental rule, you have to catch them before they commit. And I get why schools do it. I get why the Power Fives do it. But it's hard for me to imagine that anybody knows what they want at that level. And it's just. Uh, it's just a crapshoot. That's why there are so many transfers in a lot of cases because guys commit too early. I mean, even in your case, and I think this happens with with most people, even that aren't, that aren't athletes, they're different people when they get halfway or all the way through college than they were when they first decided they wanted to go somewhere. So I think that's really interesting. And, and coach, I'd like to ask you, and you you basically you you touched on it very uh, just very much on the surface level. But what's your conversation like with players that come to you now because of your experience as a player? Like, what what what's the conversation that you're having with student athletes that are visiting your place based on your experience to try to, you know, give them an idea of exactly what they're going to find and and why this might be a good fit for them, but also why Alfred State might not be a good fit for them? Because I'm sure that just knowing you a little bit that I do, I'm sure that's a part of it too. You're not trying to talk every kid into coming there. Like I, I would imagine that you're trying to tell kids exactly what your experience is like and, you know, maybe why this, like if you if you like this, this would be a great fit. If it's if this is not for you, then it's not for you. What kind of a conversation are you having with players when they get to your campus to visit? Yeah, no, I, that's a wonderful question. And I've, I've seen a transition in myself from this, and I've, I've taken my learning um, from lots of places from my own experience, of course, right? What what I would have preferred in my recruit being recruited experience, what I think the coaches who recruited me could have done more of or changed, and then also in my years of watching Coach Valcente, who's an excellent recruiter, and Coach Ham from Amherst, who's now at Eastern Connecticut, another powerhouse, uh, who is arguably one of the best recruiters in the country. I mean. It, as you stated in the beginning, we put together a team that in four years won 105 games. That's his That's his work, right? So these guys are, are beasts at the recruiting game. So taking from all of them, I've transitioned from when I started. If you took 100% of my time with a recruit, I was speaking 85 or more of it. And now it's I've flipped that on its head. So I want the recruit speaking. I want to get to know that person as much as possible. So my conversation has shifted from me being focused and putting my attention on telling them about all the great things we're doing and what Alfred State is and what we're going to do for them and how they could be a dude to, hey, man, who are you? What are your goals? What do you want out of your freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year? Do you hope to play a lot in college? Do you want to just be on the team? Why are you playing? Let's have mom and dad leave the room and let you answer that question. 
because I've experienced players that come to Alfred State or another college, and this is not something they love to do. So if baseball is not something you love to do, go find something else you love to do and do it and spend your time doing it because you'll be happier. So long story short, every conversation I have with the player is different and personalized because just like this podcast, based on what they say, I'm going to base my next question off of that. And we're just going to ebb and flow in the moment. And I want to know who you are. But generally, I'm always going to start with, hey, man, who are you? And the way that I like to figure that out is I like to present some hypothetical situations. You show up to the ballpark after a great week of practice and you're not in the lineup. Tell me how that goes. <laughs> you just got put in a game in the seventh inning. But it's the first game you've been in, and it's the 20th of the season. Are you excited, or are you pissed at me? <laughs> you just struck out with bases loaded in the ninth inning in a tie game. Right? And we have to take a grain of salt that they may be trying to answer the question with what I want rather than what it is. But I'll find out what is when they get here. So that gets stated as well, that this is your chance to tell me what is, because if you decide to come here, I'll find out. So at the end of the day, to avoid myself rambling here, <laughs> I, I really just want to know who they are. Because... Watching a video or watching three games of a tournament on a weekend, that tells you very little. And I would like to think that any coach worth his salt out there coaching in college at any level can tell a good player from a bad player when they walk up to a field. And we also all have our stratification. I am not going to compete for the same guy Vanderbilt is competing for. So I have to then set my sights on the players that I think I can get, and out of that net, I want the best human beings I can get. <laughs> I love that, and I love those questions, and I'm sitting here like thinking of my own answers in my head, and, and particularly trying to think back to my 18-year-old self and what I, you know, what I would have said had I answered those questions honestly. And um, like, what do you want to hear from those guys? Do you want to hear? Do you I want really it? Go ahead. Want, I really just want to sense honesty from them. So I, I'd love if a player said, to, let's say in response to the hypothetical of striking out the bases loaded, I'd love if they were just like, I'd feel terrible. Like I let the team down. Cool. I can help you fix that. We can address that. We can work to quiet the feelings of the heart center and get into the gut and help you get into now so you can be a better teammate for the guy who's up next. We can do that. We'll put the work in on that. But it's more difficult for me if you can't even answer the question. Oh, I'll just run back, dug out, put my bat away, and start cheering. Really? Because I wouldn't. I don't know I'd if that's like... I'd walk back real sad because I feel... I'm a heart person, so I would have felt like I let the team down. So now I'm carrying that out into the field as a catcher. So how do we fix that problem? Because I don't care if you have a 1-8 pop time. 
if you feel bad, you're going to play bad. I don't know if that's like an answer that kids think that you want to hear about just like, hey, I just go back to the dugout and cheer. To me, that would be like, then you, do you really care? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But right. that's just that's my first reaction. Totally. And this is the beauty of these questions, right? If, if any coach out there listening or any player wants to take from this for themselves, it, it's going to hit you different than it hits me. Right? We all have our own lens that we're looking through. So I, I try to keep in my mind to let the player know at the beginning, hey, we're going to have a conversation today. I got some questions for you. I'd love to, for you to just answer them with with what you really think would happen. And oh. I'll be honest with you. And, and I usually share with them my experience as well. Hey, when I was in college, if I didn't play for 10 games and then coach put me in, I would have been pissed at the coach. Just let you know. That would probably be the toughest. That might be the toughest question to answer. That's a really hard one. And it lets us know who we are. So my hope is that if a player comes in for a recruiting visit to Alfred State and he ends up going to Cortland State, he's still a better human being because he met me. I kind of want you to ask me those questions. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Maybe on the next podcast I'll pretend that I'm 18 again and and we can do I we can go it. through the recruiting process. Uh, yeah, oh my goodness. This is and this is just what we're doing across all realms every day here at Alfred State. We're just trying to create uh, the, the what I've coined it as is a, is a center out leader, somebody who leads from themselves out. And you got to know yourself to be able to lead yourself first. There are several places we can go. Based on a couple of things you just said, but I, uh, I, I, I want to talk about the center out leader. We're not even going to get to the Swedish National Baseball Academy at this rate, which is okay. But I want to talk about the center out leader. But I also want to talk about what you just said: the player that um, that strikes out in the ninth in a tie game and, and has a chance to win the game. You know, didn't get it done. Has to now go out and play defense. And if that guy gets you know, if he's if he's upset, which you kind of would hope that he would be, you hope he has some sort of emotion coming out of that that instance. Uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I I'd much rather coach a, a player that was too emotional than than just a player that was just stone faced all the time and showed no emotion whatsoever. But you said uh, you said you you could help a player with that. You could help a player get in the now. And I believe if I'm if I'm if I wrote it down correctly, you said you could help a player to quiet the feelings of the heart center. Yeah. Talk to so, me about this. So, okay, so as I see it, there there's an ancient concept, and it comes all the way from ancient India, ancient China, all right? That there's three centers in our body, energy centers, that we operate from, head, heart, and gut. Head's for thinking, heart is for feeling, gut is for doing. Every coach ever that might listen to this, your team's made up of all of them. We all have one that we act from, well, I can't say act. We all have one that is our reaction. It's our first reaction. So, as I'm going through my day and circumstance dictates my day, I'm, I'm a heart guy, for example. So to explain this more clearly, my order is heart, head, gut. Heart first. So in that situation that we described where I strike out with the bases loaded, 
first thing I'm going to do about that first reaction I'm going to have from that situation or that circumstance is a feeling. And I'm going to feel bad. That then creates a thought. You blew it, dude. Oh, you could have been the hero. That then leads to an action of me hanging my head. So my team is made up of all different combinations of these centers. So I agree with you. I'm a heart guy. You may be too. So we would we would prefer to coach other heart guys because it's easier. We can experience what they're experiencing. Oh, man, he's out of control right now. I used to get that way. I know what he's going through. But for you and me, it's tougher for us to coach the gut guy because the gut guy first, my best player is a gut first player. He strikes out with the bases loaded. He does walk back to the dugout like nothing happened. He grabs his glove and he's waiting for the third out to be made so he can go play first base. He doesn't care. He doesn't care, quote unquote, the way that I care. So now if I try to coach gut guy, Mateo, the way I coach heart guy, me, I'm not serving him the best I can serve him. Because he doesn't want to he doesn't need me to baby him. Hey, man, don't worry about it. Tough pitch. Tough call. He's getting pissed in his head listening to me say that to him. Because he's like, I don't care. I want to go play first base. I'm over it. Next thing, please. So with that understanding, I am more equipped to serve all of my players more appropriately. So those of us that lead with our heart, we need to quiet our heart center in the moment to allow for our gut center, the action, to do the action, which is throw the pitch you've been practicing for 10 freaking months. And you've thrown to the bottom corner strike zone like you've wanted to 97% of the time. Yet when you go to the mound, you can't. This is awesome. Where did you learn this? <laughs> I've been digging around. I My mentor... Uh, who I will shamelessly plug would be another great podcast guest is Jeff McKay, who is a inner game coach out in California. He's in his late seventies. Uh, he's coached the San Francisco Giants, the St. Louis Cardinals, all the way down to Little League internationally. He's the guy who hooked me up, taking me to France. He has taught me much of what I know. And then over this year of pandemic, I have gone deep into my self-practice and self-discovery and embodied this learning for myself so that I can be a better coach for my players. Because at the end of the day, no matter who listens to this podcast, you won't be playing baseball for long if you're lucky to live long. And this stuff is what you need to live a life full of choice and awareness and make the world a better place. Are there, is there anything that you can point people that are listening to this, point them to books, podcasts, like anything, just any sort of material that people can look into? Like if they're finding what you're saying interesting right now, what's the next step? Do you have anything? For sure. Uh, one great book to start with is The Inner Game of Tennis, Tim Galway. Um, there is another doctor out there named Dr. Rick Hansen, who is unbelievable resource. I've also been diving really deep into uh, meditation 
and breath work and doing some self-discovery in the realm of, of yoga, doing some readings of the ancient texts in that world to figure out how the mind-body system interacts. That's another great place to dig around. Um, my best friend and I have started a little side venture. You can't even really call it a company. It's more of a community of people that want to practice center out leadership and learn about it. We are called the Infinite Thread. Uh, that's on Instagram. We just created a locals account because we'll be leaving social media uh, because locals is more effective to create a community and have engagement. What is locals? It's uh, it's also a social media app, but it's more geared for communities and companies, um, and the, it has more to do with the algorithm. Uh, my best buddy is very deep into that stuff, way more than me, and the algorithm of Instagram kind of creates echo chambers, uh, and we are trying to prevent that. So we want to be open and inclusive to anyone and everyone that can get this information. Really, really cool. How do your players react to this kind of stuff when you, you're talking to kids who have never experienced any of this stuff and you're talking to them about center out leadership and you're talking to them maybe about yoga or about meditation or about like, you know, just being centered or about, um, you know, the head, are, are they a head, a heart, or a gut person? Like, this is probably stuff they've never, they've never heard of. How are you introducing this without them looking at you like, like you've got six eyes? <laughs> yep, I've certainly, uh, aired and been Dr. Fruit Loops before. So, uh, <laughs> it's through a lot of trial and error, definitely. And I'm very fortunate. Again, we've built a incredible culture here of trust and family where we, share openly how we feel in general. So that this has been years in the building of creating the uh, the space or the environment for this to even be able to sprout. But uh, my first step was indoctrinating my captains in this. So I am fortunate to have five incredible captains. And over the course of this pandemic, I put a lot of time into them. And we did weekly calls and meetings and some coursework on this stuff that my best buddy and I created to get them more understanding of the basics and get them building their own personal practice so that they could have a better chance at meeting their teammates where they're at. Um, but to directly answer your question, it, the answer is by meeting them where they're at. So there are various levels of intellect on my team. There are various levels of buy-in. So I like to fall back to the three levels of responsiveness. Is your player engaged? Are they neutral? Are they resistant? That's part of who they are, too. And we all have kind of a base setting. So my base setting tends to be, I'm pretty engaged when you talk to me. No matter who it is. Dude at Quickville. Hey, what's up, man? How's your day going? I'm engaged. So there are some people that are just set at resistant. Maybe because they're shy. Maybe because they had a bad day, whatever it might be. So I have to take into stock what is first. So I try to do my best assessment of what is this guy, what do they need. So before I even start unpacking whether they are a head, heart, gut guy for themselves, I try to do a little assessment myself. How can I meet this guy? Because if they're a gut guy, I need to tell them to just do it. <laughs> 
if they're a heart guy, I can ask them to feel it. And if they're a head guy, I can ask them to think about it. And that's going to give them a better chance to comprehend what we're doing here. And then the second step is that embodied learning. So the first place I like to start is let's let them understand what bringing their mind to the moment is. So without making this too convoluted, we've coined the term mental time travel. Our mind is constantly flashing from now to past and future with or without our permission. Our body is always in the now. When you stub your toe, you feel it right now. It's always there. Most of us just don't know it exists because we're in our head all day. So first thing they have to experience is bringing their mind and body to the same place. And the way that we do that, every practice we start, and I do this about 60 times a practice, we gather in a circle, and I simply ask, let's stand a little better right now. Notice your posture. What do you notice or feel right now? And now that brings their senses into play. Oh, I can hear the air conditioning going off in the gym. I see the sunlight carving in from the window over there in the corner. I feel my my legs are really sore. In that moment, you're not thinking about past or future. You're thinking about right now. So that's their first experience. So I'll draw awareness to that. Hey, during that last five seconds, anybody worried about what homework they had to do later? Anybody worried about what happened with their girlfriend last night? And that's when they start to go, holy crap, I wasn't. And then the practice is we need to find something that they can pay attention to in the moment. So, again, heart, gut, head guy matters. If uh, Speaking for myself, heart guy, I can feel in the moment better than a gut guy could. So now that opens up the feeling avenue. So Mike, the player, hey, Mike, how did that last swing feel is a good question. I can say to Mike, hey, get in the box right now. What do your feet feel like? Notice how that feels inside your shoe. What does it feel like? And now you're paying attention to that because the bottom line, as we alluded to earlier, you've taken thousands of swings, Mike. You're ready to hit. Every pitch, every coach has experienced this. We throw BP to them. They hit balls that are six inches off the plate, six inches inside off the plate, six inches up. The ball that's scraping the ground, they roast those balls left and right. And then game comes, and now all of a sudden their strike zone's a freaking owl hole. <laughs> it's because their heart and their mind are telling them what to do instead of their body just smashing balls. And I'll bet you at BP they're thinking less and feeling less than they are on game day when you got a bunch of kids over there yelling obscenities at each other. Because this is what baseball's become. So now the game becomes, oh, that guy just called me that, so I hate that guy. Now it's about emotion instead of freaking playing the game. So that's the basics of it. And then the way that I introduce the head, heart, gut part is, again, the hypotheticals. So just yesterday we had our first live weekend on Saturday, Sunday. I had a freshman pitcher in the mound that he threw a pitch. And I said, what are you doing right now? It's like I'm thinking about how I missed my spot. What are you going to do next? I'm going to throw my next pitch. So we just figured out that he's head gut. So hearts last. He's not too concerned about how he feels about how that pitch went. 
So now he can just notice his breath in his nose, and that gives his brain something to do. And he carved hitters up. Because he already throws 85, he doesn't need to do anything else. And in the moment where his arm is and coiling more and whatever other mechanical BS you're practicing over on Wednesday, doesn't matter. This stuff is so interesting to me. Um, I love these podcasts that just bring up stuff that like I've never either either something that I've never heard it stated that way or I've never heard a coach talk about this stuff or I, I just I, again I, I try in these podcasts to go back to myself as a player and and kind of how would I react to this or what would I think of it and I think I'd be really really intrigued by this um, you know, what what about your players like how do they how do they take to this kind of stuff does it take a couple years for a guy to like kind of put the guard down and, and start buying in or is it something that, that for most guys it's just such a natural conversation you're having with them that that it seems to click pretty quickly or that's a great it's a great question and the answer is all the above so it, it's it's different strokes for different folks right obviously and then We've been, again, we've been working towards this, and I guess I could say I've been working towards this. So I've known Jeff McKay, my mentor, for about 10 years now. And he he introduced me to this world of what he calls it of being your own coach, using awareness and attention to coach yourself, right? Whether you're a, a player of a sport or not, right? So for a while, I have been trying to empower my players with coaching themselves so i've been teaching them through awareness and attention for example in the cage we lo- we love doing these certain drills i throw a pitch hey were you early on time or late there oh you thought you're a little early okay hit another one what'd you think about that one right so now we're creating awareness around whether they're on time we use dotted balls with different colors on them that i just drew with markers right so same thing what color was that yep what color was that Oh, you thought I was blue? Interesting. No, what color was that? Right? Then we'll, then we can take it to, were you inside the ball square to the ball around the ball? Were you on top of the ball square to the ball under the ball? So I've been covertly teaching them attention training without even my full intention of this going all the way where we've gone now. So the older players that have been here a while have been more primed for this by doing that. The freshman players and the sophomore players, this is just what we do now. So welcome. And this is how we practice. So their first practice ever in college, they heard, all right, let's stand a little better. What do you notice? What do you feel right now? And then my older players, I spend the time speaking with them so that if freshman player walks out of the gym after first practice goes, yo, why the hell did we just do that? Now my senior player, I've been training them instead of saying, yo, we do that because this is how we do it around here. Get on the bus or get the hell out. Instead, they go, why do you think we're doing it? (laughs) Because they need to know. So no matter what opportunity I can take, I need them to understand why we're doing it. And I am constantly on the lookout for opportunities to cross this over into real life as well. 
So yesterday, that freshman pitcher I talked about, he threw his 35 pitches. After his outing, my first question was to him, what other areas in your life do you think you're thinking more than you should be? Do you think you could pay attention to your breath in those moments too? Yeah, I think you could too. So hopefully his life just got better after Sunday's practice. Because if his life is better, he's also going to pitch better for me. I'm going to tell you why, what, just one reason why I, why I like this so much, this conversation, and, and just I'm, I'm glad to have you on the podcast. Because if you spend any time on social media in the baseball community, it's just you're like bombarded with culture talk and and making uh, making better young men and you know helping people with their life and and like this is lifelong stuff but i i truly just think that in many of those cases they're buzzwords that uh that people just go along with and and it's just um as a 36 year old i feel like people that are maybe like 10 years younger than me it's there's a lot of rhetoric that I just I just don't know that there's any substance to it. In fact, I was just just texting back and forth with a good friend of mine, a, a coach who's still a college coach, a couple of days ago, and we were talking about this just because of a social media interaction, and he was texting me because he didn't want to, you know, a lot of college coaches like you don't want to put stuff on social media, but you'll they'll text about about it. But anyway, this coach texted me and just he used the phrase "all foam, no beer." With these, with with guys, a lot of times, and I said I love that, and I'm probably going to steal it from you. But in this conversation, it's really clear to me, Mike, that this isn't an all foam, no beer situation. Like you've got a legitimate plan here to not just create better baseball players, but to create some life skills that guys are going to take with them forever. Because even though you're a college baseball coach, which <laughs> As someone who used to be in that case, or used to be in that situation, but I'm not now. Like this is that dreams that that job's like the dream. But at the same time, like you've got to really perform, and it puts a lot of stress in other portions of your life, whether people realize it or not. Like you have to miss events in the spring. You know, oh, yeah. it doesn't matter if somebody gets married or or like sometimes a, a funeral or like whatever. If it's not like really like you know your your inner closest circle of family, you're not going to be able to go. You're going to miss birthday parties. You're going to miss all kinds of stuff in the spring. It does that. It's time away from family. Any coaches out there that are married with kids, there's a lot of levels of, of things that you're sacrificing as a coach, even though it's on on paper, it's a dream job. But I just, I, I like that you, you have, you have spent time and you've researched these, these things that you think are not only going to help your players be you're teaching things that that go far beyond baseball, which I just I, I think is important. And again, I it's uh, it's all that you read. It's se- seemingly on social media. All you hear from baseball coaches, college coaches especially. But how many yeah. of them get it? Very few, in my opinion. And in this case, it doesn't seem to be that. And I love that you spend so much time on it. Well, I really appreciate it, and I think that the nail that you're hitting right on the head, Jeff, is it's called center out leadership for a reason. So it's great. If you're teaching your team leadership stuff and then you're doing nothing, then it's worthless. And, you know, again, I, I'll share experientially no reason to cast stones to anyone who might be doing that. I've done it, right? I've come into the office 
and a meeting comes up out of nowhere and you get 25 emails and seven of them aren't good and something else happens and then your wife calls and you have an unfavorable conversation and then guess what practice blows so that was a great rep for my team that day because i chose to not lead myself in the moment so it all stems from us coaches and we have to be the first coach who's coaching ourselves if we expect our team to so i start practice every day with telling my team what my reflections are on my shortcomings and things that i'm celebrating and here's what i'm paying attention to to work on today so that we all share in the growth we're trying to make self improvement cool again for some reason we've created this culture in america that you make fun of the hard work you know you embarrass the hard work out of people oh johnny staying after to hit for an hour what a loser what that's ridiculous and it's disgusting so our program is a place of safety and of family where hey i stink at this and i'm working on it today you all know so help me out cuz i want to be better that's what it is so i shared with my team the first practice of the year i will be more appropriate with my positive feedback because i want to be a better coach and more effective with my communication clear that's what i'm doing team i don't want to be a cheerleader anymore i don't want to say good swing when you hit a 17 hopper to third it's not a good swing but i also don't want to say bad swing so i'm just not going to say anything anymore instead i'm going to ask you how it could have been better and now you're coaching yourself So we have to share that with each other. And also to to answer a bit of your question before, we have I have the players create these I will statements. What they are is mantras. But to avoid being Dr. Fruit Loops, we don't call them mantras, we call them I wills. So we've crafted a structure. I will blank because blank and blank. So what's one thing you want to get better at? Okay, you got your thing. What can you do about it to get better at it? Oh well, I want to be a better hitter. I guess I got to be more on time. Okay, why do you want to be more on time? Because I want to hit the ball hard and I want to get hits. Okay, cool. There's your I will statement. I will be on time because blank and blank. Now you get into the cage. Hey Jeff, what's your I will today? Uh, I will be on time, Coach. Sick. Here's your pitch. Hey Jeff, were you on time there? as a little early. Okay, here's your next pitch. HF, what about that one? Yep, on time. Okay, cool. There's your practice plan for the day. No sense talking about launch angle till you can be on time. <laughs> Don't worry about diamond kinetics and rap soto if you can't put your freaking mind in the moment and hit. This is great. I like I like the I will statements and I want to There's so much to unpack there too. We're definitely not getting to the Swedish National Baseball Academy. No shot in the world we're getting there, Mike. Um so you you said that this this team is going and I might be I'm paraphrasing here, but you said this team is going to be a place of 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 safety, like a safe place. And when people hear that, this is going to be a safe space. The, the the immediate thought that comes to my mind is like 
you're, you're sheltering kids, you're babying kids, but, but, it, but not in your situation. Just like if somebody else, or if I were to hear that, if that was on social media, hey, the, our team, this is a safe space, guys. It's like, to me, it's like, okay, take the kid gloves off, but not in this case. Like the way that you talk about it, the way that you're bringing it up, it's like, let's just not be afraid to be real with each other. Like, let's, let's just, let's be real with each other and figure out how we can get better. And I, and I'll, I'll tell you that this is just a place. Maybe need to, we need to reverse this podcast and you need to ask me some questions because like I'm working on stuff in my life right now and I like the stuff that you're talking about is stuff that I is this is real life stuff as a as a 36 year old who's got three kids I work in in an area in an environment I'm a full time financial planner now you know I do some baseball stuff I'm an associate scout and, and I do this I have the website obviously but my what what pays the bills is financial planning. I don't like yeah. the people I work around, but it's where I spend my time all day. And I get home, and my kids are freaking wild, and they're off the wall, and like it's just like it's total chaos when I get home sometimes. And one of the things that you deal with as an adult is like, then this is stuff that like maybe your players will encounter someday. But I don't know that I have any any friends that like are beyond surface level friends because I legitimately, Mike, I see my my what I would call my friends where I live. I see them maybe once a month. Like I don't go to. It's not like coaching. This is very different because I spent a lot of my life playing and then coaching. And when you coach, you your the assistant coaches, the other coaches in your staff are like your family and 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 their friends. But you can you can talk to them about whatever. And now I have guys that like my friends are guys that I see like once a month. And usually my kids are there. And and so my my you know my year and a half year olds trying to jump off the stairs and impale herself and somebody else is choking and, and you know somebody else is smacking somebody else and like you can't have a full conversation and I was just talking to my wife about this and just saying that I wish I, I just would like to to have one friend where I can just feel like I can talk about whatever's happening in my life and and actually talk about it and I'm sorry to kind of go off on a tangent here but it just like the 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 situation you're trying to create with your team, the atmosphere you're trying to create with your team, I think is going to go far beyond baseball because I wish that I had that scenario now as an adult. Uh, you're hitting the nail on the head again, Jeff. And first of all, hey, I'll be that friend, bro. <laughs> I love to talk, so call me anytime. But second, you're right, right? I, I'm 33. I encountered this stuff eight, nine, ten years ago, and, God, I, I just feel grateful that I can give this to 18, 19, 20-year-olds. I mean, my captains are 21 years old, and they're they're sitting around considering what's in their perfect day and laying out their, their format uh, for a fulfilled life. I mean, this is crazy talk, and these guys are making choices, right? It's And what, what we're really trying to do is, we're trying to create choice out of circumstance, right? Circumstance is just what's happening in your day. Going through your day, if we if we never check into the moment and we're living by circumstance, our mind's going to travel to past and future. If we spend more time in future, we're going to be anxious. If we spend more time in past, we're going to be mad or sad or overly happy, right? So then wherever we're at, in the moment of the circumstance, so now 6 o'clock, you get home, you've had all these circumstances stacked up, that's how we're reacting. But what we're trying to do is create these check-ins throughout the day to bring the mind to the moment so that we can halt the circumstance. Whoa, what's going on right now? 
okay, these have been the circumstances, but this is what is. I'm going to choose to be this way when I get home. And that requires slowing down to create that space, right? So our practice is, I mean, we do hitting groups a lot because, listen, man, you might get 20 swings if we happen to dig down a rabbit hole together. You might get 120 in an hour. I, I don't know. I have no idea. What do you need that day? Do you need some space? Have you been having a bad day? Let's slow it down here then. Right? So I, I shared with you my I will statement. What I've uncovered just in the couple weeks that we've been practicing is now that I will statement has evolved into the action item of whatever puts us in the moment. So now my mantra has become I will feel my breath in my belly because it provides me space and opportunity to choose who I'm going to be. So now one of my players' mantras has evolved from being on time to I will feel my feet in the batter's box because it brings my mind to now. And guess what? Now his mantra actually applies everywhere. Because you can feel your feet anywhere you're at. That's something else is that, that I'm, I don't mean to... I need to just stop, you know, I, I need to just let you talk here, but nobody wants to hear what I have to say. But, but like, that's another, that's another thing that I just think that when you get into adulthood that you need to just, and that's another thing that I've, I've talked with my wife about, talked with my dad about, like, I just, just trying to be where your feet are. And it's no different. It's, it's, but you have, you have worries from the past. You have worries from the future because of all this real life stuff about paying bills or like how your kids are doing. And it doesn't from what I, you know, my kids are almost two, four and, and almost seven. And, uh, you know, from what I understand, it doesn't get any easier when they get older, when they, the, the older they get, the bigger the worries get, you know, when, oh, yeah. when they're little, you're worried about whether they had a bad dream or not. And when they're older, you worry about all kinds of other stuff. Um, and I'm sure it doesn't get any easier, but just just trying to be where your feet are, especially when you have time to, when you do have time to sit down with a friend, um, or you have some time to spend with your with your spouse. Like you just you got to be, or even just uh, just trying to go about your work. When last night and this morning, just as there's like turmoil at home, or someone's sick in your family, or 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 whatever it may be, just trying to be where your feet are, be in the now, which are all things that you've touched on. Like these are legitimate life skills that you're that you're teaching, and and I just. I think it's great. I think it's really remarkable what you're doing with your team. Well, thank you, Jeff. And and what I share with them daily, many times a day, and remind myself many times a day, is we have to practice this skill just like you practice hitting, pitching, fielding. It is a skill. So I have to practice feeling the breath in my belly just as I would go hit off the tee if I want to be able to feel the breath in my belly while I'm hitting, if I want to be able to feel it while I'm speaking with my wife, if I want to feel it while I'm in class. And it only gets harder. So practice while it's easy. I, I've created a morning routine for myself. We had 5.30 a.m. practices. I get up at 3.30. It sounds crazy, but I need that time when no one's awake to practice 
feeling my breath so then I'm more able to feel it when 10 guys are asking me questions at once and someone's throwing a bullpen and someone needs something else for me and I know I have 10 meetings later and another practice and hitting groups at five and then my wife needs me to get chicken and then milk and then I need gas so the harder your day is or the harder the game is the more difficult it's going to be to call on these skills when you actually need them so you have to practice them when it's easy you have to feel your feet when you're standing at home doing the dishes when there is no pressure because it's going to be harder to feel them standing in the box against Cortland when 35 guys are calling you names and screaming at you and on top of it, they're ranked number eight, and we're traditionally a bad team, and we're not supposed to win, and blah, 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 and all the other circumstance that is created by mind and heart. And past and future, right? Cortland's a great team. Great team. Of course they should get respect. Not too much, though. How do you go about then creating... The leaders on your team. Who do you? How do you pick who's captains? Do guys emerge? Is it um, just you? Is it your gut feeling with certain people, or is it just guys that you feel like really get it? Uh, how, how do you choose which guys end up being? You said you have what five captains. How do you pick those guys on your team, coach? Yeah, I. So I began when I took over here. I was gifted my team, so I inherited all my players and. Um, there were some awesome, I mean, everybody was a good person. I was very fortunate. But there were some good teammates, some bad teammates, the whole mixture. So in my first recruiting class, I, I was very fortunate. to. I've had good recruiting classes, both in, in talent and humans. And I picked my first captain. So my main captain of the five has been a captain since his sophomore year because he identified himself as an incredible human. So to answer your question directly, I they present themselves to me. Sometimes I have some inklings for sure when they show up just based on who they are, even sometimes even before they get here, just from the recruiting visit. I'm like, that dude is going to be a captain. But they still have to prove it to me. So they have to prove it every day, and I would say the number one thing is buy-in to the culture. Buy-in to the culture is my number one qualification followed by buy-in to their personal practice. So not necessarily talking about practicing, being in the moment and all these things, because really this is the first season we've, we've put all of this together and we've got it working. But it will mean that eventually. But what it meant before was they're staying out of trouble. They, they go to the weight room. They do their extra work. They're, they're dedicated to the cause. And then lastly is talent. I, I don't care. They, if they're the worst player on the team, that doesn't serve the team because it will be difficult for people to listen to that guy unless they command a presence. So it, it's a case-by-case -case basis, but talent is definitely last for me. And then I've been very fortunate that as my recruiting class have got along, I'm getting better and better at identifying the human beings that I want here. So my choices are becoming harder and easier. I, I could probably almost pick anybody in my freshman class in a couple of years, depending the choices they make between now and then. How do you go about picking the right people on the recruit during the recruiting process? Because even, I mean, even on phone calls, 
or in-person visits, a lot of young players, they just, um, they're not used to that. You know, they, they have a hard time talking on the phone because we're, you know, their generation is, is very much, um, Snapchat, uh, and, and just text messages. And they're just, they're not really used to, you know, really talking with people on the phone or, or opening up or just, they just might be quiet, might be shy when they, when they come and visit and just might not have a whole lot to say. But when they get to campus, maybe they're, they're quite a bit more outspoken once they get out of their shell. How, how do you, uh, just identify the type of human being that you want in your program when that's just, that's not an easy thing to do in the recruiting process itself, just because of sort of a lack of interaction time that you have with these kids? Yeah, it's definitely challenging, and I've certainly been burned in the past, and I'm sure I will be in the future. Um, you know, experience is our greatest teacher, no doubt, through reflection without judgment. So, you know, reflecting on my past experiences, I made in my errors, it was typically due to lack of due diligence, right? Low hanging fruit. Oh, this guy wants to come here and he's pretty good. Sure. And then they turn out to not be the greatest guy because I didn't dig around enough. So I would say it, it comes down to due diligence for myself and relying on my network. So I've been fortunate to establish a pretty good network of high school and travel ball coaches that are people that I trust and are good people, people that I could, uh, that share similar values, right. That are going to demand similar things from their players in their organizations. So that's where I tend to center in on. And you'll kind of notice that if you look at our roster, we have clumps of players from various places and it might not be the same high school, but the same travel teams, if those were listed as well. And, I'm looking for that little bit of old school type of player. And I don't mean on the field. I mean off the field. The kid who can look someone in the eye and have a conversation. The kid who uh, is up front with you. The kid who's not afraid to come and ask me a question, even if it's a dumb one. Because there are so many oper- or so many things. Uh, what's the right word? There have been so many times in the past where somebody hasn't asked me a question and I could have helped them and then they end up in trouble with their grades or they end up in trouble with something else and I could have helped them but I didn't even know that they needed me so I need them to understand and I'm not an intimidating guy I mean I rarely get after the players much in terms of yelling so it's not like they ought to be scared of me but I definitely need players that have the basic skills they can communicate, they are organized, they are accountable. And then again, talents last. I, I can teach somebody how to hit way sooner than I can teach somebody how to wake up on time. This is like the opposite of what... I feel like I do nothing but talk, but talk about social media on some of these podcasts. <laughs> but this is like the opposite of what you what you would be led to believe... If you listen to the experts on social media, because you would think that the ideal, the perfect swing, the flawless swing, the flawless mechanics on the mound and and velocity and exit velocity, like those are the only things you care about. That's the only thing anybody cares about. Kids are always blown away. They come here and they're like, oh, I have my stat sheet. I grab it from them and I toss it in the garbage. (laughs) I'm like, cool. Who are you? I don't give a shit. You hit 400 in high school. Excuse my language. So did I. I hit 250 at Ithaca. 
big whoop. Didn't do me any good. <laughs> I, I mean, sure, I, I had 500 in high school. How about that? I still sucked in college. So there you go, bud. Like, it doesn't matter. And what you just alluded to, Jeff, is that's the story, quote unquote. That's what we're all supposed to believe. That's, that's what they want us. Who? But who? Who want? Like, why is it like that? The baseball world, because it serves the baseball world, right? Who's making the money? I mean, I don't want to make this about conspiracy theory, but the people that are making the money are the people cranking out all the things that measure metrics and make videos easier and get kids out there, especially with with COVID. But again, perfect swing in a batting cage, sick, dude. Show me facing 85 and a dude who throws three pitches per strike. Show me that video. And then keep the video on while you're walking back to the dugout and you destroy the back carrier. Because that's who you are. Not the guy with the flawless swing that 97 exit below. Because I got a kid on my team right now who hits the ball 100 miles an hour plus every single time he touches the ball. But he swings the bat one-seventeenth of the time he should. So he's not a very good help to my team right now. Probably won't play much. Ridiculous to say that. Probably the best player in our conference on paper. Maybe in New York State. Can't manage his head and heart yet. Getting better. Sunday was better than Saturday. It's amazing how many of those guys are out there that on paper look great. And I don't know if the recruiting game has changed with because of metrics, if guys just get scooped up if they have the metrics like no matter what. Um but it's amazing how many guys even even when you know, even in recruiting before you knew what exit velocities were and you knew what spin rates were, like there were just sometimes you'd see a guy and the, all the talent in the world was there and you're like, Why is this guy still available? What am I missing? And there was always something you were missing. Mike, one last question I want to ask you before we wrap this up. You've okay. you've you've won as an assistant coach a lot. Steps are being taken at Alfred State. I'm a, can I, is it safe to assume that one of the goals at Alfred State is to win a lot of games? No question. How do you? How does all this that we've talked about for the last hour? How does that fit into the to this puzzle of of turning the team in the you know wins loss columns in the in the standings? How does this? How does all this stuff get Alfred State into the top of the standings year after year? No question. While we've all been doing this, we've also been assembling quite a talented group of players. So we've been fortunate to be successful on the recruiting trail. So our overall talent level has raised quite a bit. I think one of my captains put it best. He said, this year our, our ceiling rose a little bit, but our floor rose a lot. So we are finally now what I would call a real college baseball team where we have two good players at every position that can compete daily and keep each other good. From there, things that I've observed and heard from my team is just in the two weeks of doing what we've been doing, the the team feels as a whole that their feel has improved. So doing rundowns, first and thirds, the more detailed, detail-oriented things, they feel the game slowing down. Other comments that I've noticed, 
They're having more fun. They're they're able to make decisions easier. So, without sounding ridiculous, being center out leaders is how we're going to be the best team in the AMCC every year. And it's because we're going to be the most present and we're going to miss the least of any team. We may not always be the best team on the field, but we've proven to ourselves last year in a shortened season, we beat Wooster. They were ranked something in the country. We beat other good teams. We, we know we can do it now. So it's coupling that confidence with presence in the moment and allowing our very highly talented team to do what they know how to do and avoiding being caught up in how we feel or think about it until after the game. And then we can reflect as a group without judgment and grow from there every day. I can't tell you that I've recorded a podcast where I've smiled as much as I have during this podcast, and I feel funny saying that to you. But <laughs> I've like oh, I've I really enjoyed this. Has been like really personally an enjoyable conversation with you. Well, I I I could not appreciate that more, Jeff. And I'm super grateful to be able to just talk about this stuff because, uh, as my best buddy Kurt and I discuss all the time, we we just we want to share this with as many people as we can. I mean, shoot. If LaRoche wanted this, come, sure, here you go. Please do it. Please do it so the world's a better place. This is awesome. This is Mike Armstrong, everybody. He's the head coach at Alfred State. Alfred State College of Technology. I saved that. I, I, I excluded that from the beginning, but we'll give you the full name of it. Alfred State College of Technology in Western New York, in Alfred, New York, actually. Uh, Mike, this has been uh, truly enjoyable. I, I just need to thank you again for taking the time. Um, you are nearing your spring season, and and to take this amount of time in a podcast with us uh, is is you know, I'm always flattered that people will take the time to do that, and, and humbled that somebody would take the time. So, Mike, just want to thank you again, and uh, hopefully we can have you back again either on other podcasts or, or get some video content from you on things we've talked about here. But but if this is all we ever get, this has been well worth it. So, Mike Armstrong, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you, Jeff. I, I appreciate the opportunity to get more reps myself and, and chat with you today. It was awesome. What a pleasure, man. Thank you.